Good morning. So, all of a sudden, it's kind of fun to have uh, so many kids in the service again that when they say the kids can be released, there's just like rumble as they make their way. That's kind of fun. Um, hey, we get to uh, tie in with the kids. Some of the kids will be back. In fact, all of them will be back at the end of the service because they have um, played a special part in this, this service this morning in the communion. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, I also want to just throw a shout out to, uh, for Greg uh, Johnson. He shared the word with us last week. And I uh, just appreciate so much his willingness to, uh, to be here and to do that. Uh, it, it was an important word for us, important message for us as we continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus to remember those things about how it is a, a relationship that should be that two-way communication how to listen and hear from God. And so uh, thank you to Greg uh, for, that, for that word as well. Hey, uh, today as we get started, I want us to think about um, five words, okay? Five words, and I want you to tell me if this isn't true. Five words that I think can um, destroy our confidence about any decision we have ever made. Tell me, five words. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Right? It doesn't matter what you decided. Do you remember the day you're sitting in, in class and you're, you just got done looking at the textbook, right? And the prof asked you a question and you answered, you know, it was sitting right there. You, you could have read it off the page and you give him the answer and he says, are you sure about that? And you're like, oh, I don't I wasn't until you asked that, right? It doesn't matter. You, you look at your ticket. Somebody says, so when does your flight leave? You just saw it. You give him, are you sure about it? I don't, I thought so. Right? It just destroys our confidence, doesn't it? In the same way, you know, Adam and Eve, they're in the Garden of Eden. They're holding out against Satan and against all, you know. And here's Satan trying to tempt them to do something that they know God just said not to do. And all he said was, are you sure about that? You sure that's what he said? Are you sure that's what he meant? And boom, they go down, Right? Because it just disrupts anything, any confidence that we had. And we find that in our lives so often, we have the same thing happen spiritually to us. That same question comes up in our spiritual, our confidence in what God has done. Our confidence in the salvation that he has made available to us. Our confidence in God's love for us and his grace that he's given to us and the salvation that he's made available to us. It just goes out the window because somebody asks a simple question. Five simple words. Are you sure about that? Right? And confidence is so important in anything we do in life. Even more so for our spiritual life, our spiritual um, path and journey with God. We're going to read this morning. If you stand with me, we're going to read from Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 1 through 6. And what we're going to be listening for is what God has to say to us. These are things that we can be confident about. This is where we find our confidence in him. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law of Moses could not do, weak as it was in its dependence on our flesh and our abilities, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of our sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of God's law might be fulfilled in us 
who did not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. As soon as we read those words, I can guarantee that Satan comes along and he asks us five simple words. He says, are you sure about that? And he asks us because he wants us to begin to doubt. But I want to tell you, the spirit also comes alongside. And you know what he asks us? The same five words. He says, are you sure about that? And the reason he asks is because he wants us to believe. He wants us to know that we can trust these words that God, these promises that God has given us. We find that life in the spirit is a life of confidence. Life knowing and following the things of God. It's a life of confidence in what he has said and where he leads us. Today's message is titled, Could It Be a Quiet Confidence? Amen? Father, this morning we, we need to hear from you. We want to trust your word. We want to hear from your spirit. We ask that you would take this space, this place, and set it apart as your, your place, your space. That you would fill this atmosphere, this environment, that instead of doubt, there would be faith that is born here. Instead of that, that question being one that, that draws us away and makes us question everything we thought we were sure about, that instead it would be the voice of your spirit who draws us deeper into the truth and anchors in confidence into your word. God, we, more than anything in these days, how we need that life and peace that you've promised. How we need that confidence, that quiet confidence that allows us to live and grab hold of the life and the promises that you have made to us. So Father, um, be here this morning. Pray that our hearts would be open. We want to give you our attention. So speak to us now. We pray these things, Father, for your glory, that you might accomplish in us your will. We pray these things for the glory of your son, Jesus, who has given all that we might have these promises. And by the power of your spirit, who is with us now, amen. You can have a seat. Have you guys ever walked across a rickety, I mean, a really rickety bridge before? Anybody? Uh, you know, some of the worst bridges I've ever been across were bridges that I built. <laughs> right? When we were kids, we used, to, we used to build bridges everywhere. You come across a stream, and you're like, hey, let's throw some rocks in there and some branches. Good to go. And, and walk across, was not good to go, wasn't. I mean, we're in the stream, we're up to our knees, luckily not too deep or anything. I got to um, junior high and for a brief time I was, uh, I was in Boy Scouts. And so uh, I learned in Boy Scouts, among other things, but I learned that there are probably better ways to build better bridges than I had known as a child. And so I found out that it's dependent on, you have to have better materials, right? You have to, have, you have to be more intentional about the whole thing but also you have to have a whole lot more know-how than we had had. That was my introduction into kind of better 
bridge building. When I got to college, I actually had, we lived in Colorado and I had the opportunity to walk across the bridge at Royal Gorge, Colorado. Now, if you've been there, you know that the, it crosses the Arkansas River. It's about 1,000 feet down. From 1929, when it was built, until 2001, when there's a, another bridge built, it was the highest bridge in the world. Okay, so you walk across it, and as you're walking across, I can guarantee you, I was glad that the people who built that bridge used the right materials, right? were more intentional about what they were building, and they had the know-how to build a bridge that actually could hold you up. Because when you are walking across any bridge, but especially one like that, you want to know that that bridge will, one, hold up itself, right? Hold together, but also that it will hold you up. That's what bridges are intended to do. That's the measure of a good bridge. You guys, that's what confidence is like. Confidence is when you look out at a challenge that's in front of you, whether it's a gorge or whether it's something, a decision that you have to make in life or something that is challenging everything about, and you know, you just have this certainty inside that you have the resources, you have the know-how, the ability to overcome it. You have the ability to get over it or around it or through it or whatever needs to happen. That's what confidence is about. Romans 8 tells us, and not just in the first six verses that we read, but throughout that whole chapter, Romans 8 tells us that we can be confident in God with our lives. Because God, where there are chasms, God, where there are barriers, where there are obstructions, God has provided us a way through. He has provided us a salvation. Now, this talks about the eternal salvation of God, but it puts it in those terms. But he wants us to know it's not just about the life to come. God has provided us a way, a path through life that is intended for this life and the life to come. A, a path that we can be confident, a bridge that we know that his plan will not only hold up in itself, but it has enough to hold us up as well. So why, why is that important? Well, if you look at a gap that's 1,000 feet wide and 1,000 feet deep with a raging river at the bottom of it, that seems like a challenge. But the truth is that's nothing compared to the challenge that is in our lives that Romans 8 talks about this challenge of how do we overcome this thing called sin, this brokenness that seems to be embedded within us, that keeps us from ever really grabbing hold of the life that we have this sense that God intended for us, that keeps us from doing things sometimes that are, it, 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 sometimes it leads us down these, these roads, our bad thinking, our bad actions, our bad choices, these feelings that drive us in crazy directions, they lead us to places that they're bad for us, they're bad for the people we love, they're bad for everybody. But we keep doing them and we say, how do we overcome that? It's so embedded in us, sometimes we don't even see it, we just follow it. How do we get over the chasm, not just of sin, but what about the death itself? We get to the end of this, this life. We say, you know, I don't want life to end. I don't want this to be the end. Why does it have to end here? We get to death and nobody has found a solution to the thing called death. And not just death of our physical lives, but it seems like death creeps in and undermines all kinds of things that we hope for in this world. How do we overcome that? Sin and death, this impossible 
this impossible chasm. This is, that's a challenge, right? That's not, and it's not a challenge that's gonna be solved by us throwing our best thoughts, our best efforts at it, like a, a kids throw rocks and sticks into a stream to make a bridge. It's not gonna be solved that way. It's too big. It's not even gonna be solved as we kind of reach a spiritual adolescence and we realize we gotta have better materials. We gotta have more and be intentional about this. We, gotta, we, have to, we have to get some know-how about how to get it. It's not even gonna be that. It's not even gonna be solved by taking all the best minds, all the best spiritual thinking and, and experience of this world and putting it all together and saying, what is, what's the plan that you come up with? God says, even in that, even in that, it's gonna fall short because the span is too big, it's too wide, it's too deep. There's too much at stake. The cost is too great. So Romans says that that's, in the New Testament, it says that's why Jesus came. Because God was not going to wait until we were able to make a bridge across to him because it was never gonna happen. It says instead that he built his his own bridge towards us from his side. That's why John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. There's one bridge, there's one plan, there's one savior, his name is Jesus. So when we get to Romans 8, and we read those first two verses, he's he's saying, based on that, this is what is true now. Those who have placed their trust in Jesus, those who have said, okay, I'm going to go with God's bridge rather than making, trying to make my own, those who have gone with it, it says, therefore, Jesus is this bridge. He is that bridge that goes over that impossible barrier, that impossible gap caused by sin within us and the death that is the consequence of that. And it says, so there's no more condemnation. There's no more too high a price that we have to pay because he says, no, Jesus paid it. Jesus bridges the gap. So there's no more condemnation. There's nothing left. He gave us the way to this life and peace that we so desperately search for. Life and peace for the world to come, life and peace in this life now. Now at the Royal Gorge, um, there are a lot of different ways to get to the other side, right? I mean, you could take a catapult, (laughs) you could take a helicopter, you could literally get in your car, take a several hundred mile drive and drive around to a place that you can cross more easily across that that river and get across and then, then come up the other side. A lot of ways to get across. The problem with sin and death, there are not a lot of ways. There's one way. There's one way across. Now, some people say, well, that seems very restrictive. How do you know? How do you know that this is the only way? How do you know that all these other ways don't, that they don't somehow make it across the same gap? And I would just say the reason that I'm pretty sure I'm certain that this is the only way is because this is the only way that says, this is the only way that even says this, that God had to make a bridge across to us rather than just one of many ways that people say we can make a bridge across to God. There are, uh, there are hundreds of different 
variations of we just have to work this way or work harder this way to make our way across to God. There's only one message that said, you know, all of those fail. This is a very unique message. It says, no, we we blow it every time. In fact, Romans 8, listen to what Romans 8 says, that even the law of Moses, you know what the law of Moses was? The law of Moses was literally God taking the blueprints for the bridge that needed to be built and handing them to Moses and saying, if you're going to build a bridge, it needs to look like this. Follow all these rules. If you do all this, You'll have a bridge that will make it across. And you know what they found every single time? They couldn't do it. They couldn't keep all the rules. They kept falling on there. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I find, right? If I set up all the rules that I have to follow with God, inevitably, I, don't need, I could have five rules and I'd still probably blow four of them. God gave us, he said, just the top 10. Just take the 10 commandments alone. Just take those. Try 10 of them. How you doing? Lying, cheating, jealousy, wanting what other people have. Murder, especially when Jesus comes in and he says, you know, murder's not just about actually killing a person. Sometimes it's just about hating them. Oh, got me, Right? He gave us the blueprint, and we couldn't do it. Why? Romans 8 says because that plan didn't work because of how much it depended on us, on our ability, on our strength, on this thing called our flesh. All that's within me and saying that I have to be the one that works my own salvation. It says because of that, it falls flat. And you know what? Really, that was the point. You read, you read the Bible and it says that was the point of God giving the law. He had to let us know how, how futile it was for us to try to build that bridge across to him. He, he let us know by actually giving us the plans and saying, here's the plans. If you're going to make it, it's going to look like this. And we couldn't do it because he needed us to know that we couldn't make it across that gap. It was too deep. It was too wide. The cost was too great. We didn't have it in us. We struggle against the sin that's within us. We struggle against the end point of death. It is too great. He needed us to know how dependent we, had, we were to him that he needed to be the one to build a bridge, how much we needed him to provide us and give us his grace to get across that gap. But now he says, those who are in Christ Jesus, those who trust him for that salvation, those who trust in that bridge, he says, there is no, there's no more condemnation anymore. Somehow the, the law of sin and death has been overcome, and it says, by a new kind of law. What it's like is, you know, at the Royal Gorge, the law of gravity, right? It'll take you down very quickly to the bottom of that gorge. And it will not be a beautiful ending for you. That's how gravity works. But in place of that, in the same way, the law of sin and death will eternally take us down. Now, my dad used to say, this isn't a great one, but my dad used to say, you know, long drops like that, the fall is not the problem. It's the sudden stop at the end that gets you every time, right? (laughs) 
Sin and death can be the same way you can be going through your life and you're saying, this ain't so bad. This is kind of fun if you like falling, right? But it's that, that, that stop at the end that gets you every time. But then at the Royal Gorge, the law of a well-constructed bridge is put in place. And you go, you know what? The gap's still there. The gravity's still there. But there's something else at work now. And God said eternally, spiritually, that something else is Jesus. That you don't have to fall. You don't have to be drawn inevitably to eternal separation from God. You don't have to be drawn to your death and destruction to the bottom of that gorge. Instead, it says Jesus has provided this way so that you can be free from not just the, the, the consequences of sin and death, but even the fear. You can walk in confidence across that gorge. You can walk in confidence through your life, knowing that God supports, that God is behind you and around you and under you, and he holds you and he carries you, that God has provided the way so that sin and death will not have the final say in your life. It says, so those who trust in Jesus as their only way, this new law comes in, this new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and it, it, it overcomes this law of sin and death. And it says, but the key to that is that you walk in the spirit, right? That you set your mind on the things of the spirit, that your mind is on the things of God then, that you actually walk the bridge. You know, when we are without Jesus, it's up to us. Any confidence that we have, and some of you guys, some of you guys might be still walking in this, but we are taught that the confidence has to come from your own self. It comes from your own abilities, your own ingenuity. It might come from the station that you were born into in life. It may come from the connections that you have made in life or the resources that you have available. But the confidence comes from within us because we have to make life work if we're without Christ. If we're apart from God, it's up to us. And life can be hard. You might, you might clear some of the hurdles, but you're not going to clear all of them, are you? We don't have it in us. And when it comes to that gap, you might launch, you might jump further than anybody else around you, but it doesn't mean that you're going to make it all the way across. And in this life, that's our, that's our experience so often is we fall short of the things that we, we had hoped for, the things that we, we feel like we were even made for, we are intended for, and we keep calling it falling short of them because we're not, we're not even capable of, of doing that. But when we live without Jesus, we're on our own. It's up to us. That's what it means by living according to the flesh, setting our mind according to the flesh. We're dependent on our own strength, our own ability, our own ingenuity to figure these things out. What's crazy is this, though, is that some of us give ourselves to Jesus, right? And by faith, we hand our lives over. We say, okay, I, I can't do this. I need you. I need that bridge that you have provided. And God provides the bridge and he shows us the bridge. He says, just walk on this bridge. But we keep living like we did before. We keep depending on ourselves to pull it off. We keep depending on ourselves to make things right. We keep depending on ourselves to get that victory from the jaws of defeat instead of just walking on that bridge with Jesus and letting him actually have this stuff. We carry it, and it kills us. 
It tears us up. But how crazy is that? God's saying, the bridge is right here. If you just walk it, walk it with me. But instead, we, we try to lay out our own path, for example. We try to set our own career path, and we try and, uh, we try and set our, our safety with the comforts and the securities of this world and the things of this world, and we surround ourselves. And when we do pass off, sometimes our wisdom to our children, the best that we have to give them is how to navigate this world on your own. That's all we give them. And then we try in our own strength to hold our kids on the rails, right? We just try and hold them so that their lives don't just go careening one way or the other or just into just chaos. And we try it with all of our strength and all of our, our mind and all of our arguments in their lives, but we find that sometimes that pull, right? Just that pull on their lives, that pull that comes from the, the, the lures of, of this world, the lures within their, within their generation, within their own cohort, that they're making their way through this world, it just drags them. We find that we're, we're no match for that. Sometimes we try to guard that, that priceless gift that God gives us of a relationship with another person, right? We try and guard it with all that we have, all that we can give. But sometimes we're doing that. We're doing it with how we feel at that moment, right? We let that guide us. Or how our, our flesh, the, or, or the best that our, our mind can come up with at that moment. We never give it over to God and say, you know what, God, I need you to show me the bridge of how to make this actually work. We find that sometimes that, that this world, it just has too strong a pulls and it just tears those apart. And the relationships become like those, the sand sometimes that we're just grabbing at, but it's just slipping through our fingers. Sometimes we try to protect ourselves from the, the, the despair of this world or the anxieties that, that surround us in, in our times or this, sometimes the apathy that comes from just being overwhelmed and, and, and just weary in our own heart. We try and protect ourselves, but we do it on our own. We try and live like we don't have Jesus, like we don't even know about this bridge. And so, but what we find is that our best workouts, right? Our best self-help crusades, our best meditations and medications and everything else, it falls short. It might divert our minds for a moment. It might give us something else to think about for a moment, but it's more like thinking about something as you're falling down the thousand feet to the bottom of the gorge. Because what we're going to find is that there's no salvation from sin or from death in this life or in the life to come that is to be found in us, in our flesh, in our abilities, in our best answers. So when our lives fall apart, we wonder. But God tells us, he tells us over and over, he says, Walk in the Spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Set your hearts and anchor your lives on the promises that God has made. Give these things that are so important, all those things that you hold on to, those things that are most precious to you, instead of hanging on tighter to them, hand them to him and, and trust that he will care for them better than you ever could. You will do better by handing them over and quit trying to make things happen for yourself. 
Instead, he says, walk on my bridge. Let me make things happen for you. The mindset on the flesh in Romans 8, 6, it says, is death every time. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? Have you ever noticed that the most confident person in the room is not the person who's talking the loudest, right? It's not necessarily the person who is running around frantically, trying to outdo everyone else, trying to get everything done. You could probably tell if you were sitting and you were watching a poker game, you could tell who had the four aces, how? Because it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying, doesn't matter how loud they're skiing or all the, all the bluster and all the, all the activity that's going on. They're probably just sitting back, just waiting for the hand to play out, right? Romans 8 says that God has given us a winning hand. There may be a lot of bluffing in this world. There may be a lot of scheming and posturing, and, and, and there may be a lot of frantic activity going on in this world, but he says all you have to do is if you will trust me, just sit back and trust me as this hand plays out. God has given us a place of quiet confidence from which we can live our lives. Doesn't matter what it looks like is going on in your career. Doesn't matter what it looks like is going on with your own children. Doesn't matter what it looks like is going on in different parts of the world or in your own backyard. It doesn't matter. Not that we become apathetic toward it, but it doesn't matter. It is not going to determine what God is going to do in you and through you. God says, sit back and trust. You're walking on the bridge. You are, I have given you the way across. And it's not just for you, and it's not just for the life to come. It is for you in, in, in the New Testament. God says, this promise is for you and your children and your children's children. This promise is for you and for every, everyone and everything your life touches. If you will walk in faith, if you will set your mind on the things of the Spirit, if you walk according to the Spirit. You know, when you walk in across that bridge in the Royal Gorge, it actually has slats of, of wood, you know across this span, and you can see down between. You know, so there are these places, you look down, and that drop is still intimidating. You're on the bridge, and you have every, everything in you. There are times that it just, you're just going, I should be scared to death. Why aren't, why aren't you scared at that moment? Because of the confidence that you know that you can have, that the right materials were used. The intention was there in the builders and the know-how to build a bridge that could get you safely across that gap. God says we have that confidence in Jesus. No matter where we are in our lives, no matter what has happened, what is happening, what will happen, he says you can have a confidence as you walk with me that I am taking you across that gap of the destruction of sin and death in all of your life. I want to read to you the read for you the end the last words in Romans 8 Romans 8 31 through 39. He starts out with the words we read but he ends with these. He says, "What shall we say to these things then? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son but delivered him over for our sake, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? All things 
And who would bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Yes, who rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. So who will ever separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And the reason he's writing this is because that's the things that the people in Rome were facing at that time. In fact, he says, because just as it is written, for your sake, God, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered by others as sheep to be slaughtered. He said, that's our experience. But even in that, he says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We still make it across. In spite of what it looks like, what it feels like, what seems to be happening, we still make it across. And he says, for I am convinced, which is just another way of saying, I am confident. I am confident that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm confident that no matter what I face in this world, I am confident that there's nothing that can separate us from Christ. Confidence. Confidence, he says, for this life, confidence for the life to come. What do we do with that? What do we do with those words? Well, first, first is this. Are there areas in your life that you are, that you are holding out on God, that you're living as if there was no bridge, as if there was nothing to trust but yourself? Maybe it's not just an area of your life. Maybe it's your whole life. You're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm living that way in my whole life. I've never put my trust in God. I didn't, maybe you didn't know anything about this bridge that he had provided. So what's the first step? It's always you trust in him. You trust him. You put aside all that and you say, okay, it's no more about my flesh and my ability and my ingenuity. It's about Walking according to the Spirit, setting my mind on the things of the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? It means that we trust him and we trust the promises that he has made. Promise that he speaks in his word, like at the end of Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from his love. We trust the promises that he has made to us. Read Romans 8 sometimes. See all the things that he has promised it and set your mind on those things. Trust in those things instead of your own ability to pull these things off. Trust him. Okay, put those, all those things that are precious to you that you think you have to hold on to, otherwise you're going to lose them and trust them to him instead. Let go of the anxiety and pick up thanksgiving that he has it covered, right? So trust him, trust the promise he is, that he has made, and then start setting your mind on those things and living according to that kind of thinking rather than the thinking that was that frantic chaotic thinking that you have to somehow pull this off. It's not up to you. You're never going to make it. It's not in us. We can have the blueprints themselves. We still fall short. It says, no, you got to trust walking in the spirit. You guys, it says, when we begin to walk in the spirit, we set our mind on the things of the spirit, on the promises that God has made. We just give ourselves. When we do that, that's where life and peace can be found. That's where confidence is found in this life and nowhere else. Amen?